You're listening to In The Making. I'm Martin Lumsden, and in this podcast series, I talk to artists, musicians, writers and performers about their experiences of doing the thing that they love to do the most. Roxanne Bastian moved to London from Berlin in 2007 and released her first album of solo material in 2013. Roxanne is an active and prominent supporter of independent musicians through the Featured Artist Coalition and her own From Me To You workshop series. She's also a not-very-secret Beatles fan. The first time I met you was at your album launch, I think, at the St Pancras Old Church. Oh my God, really? Yeah. That is a long time ago. When, when was that? Was that was 2013. So like April three, yeah. 2013. So like three years ago, just over three yeah. years ago. That yeah. album nearly doesn't exist anymore. What does that mean? <laughs> it means I've got like 10 copies left. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. I'm not going to repress it, so I'll, <laughs> I'll be really happy like once that's all I kind of like that. I thought, it would, like, yeah, and then I'm deleting it. No one, can, <laughs> yes. no one can ever hear it ever again. <laughs> if you haven't got it now, you haven't got it. Well, I'm glad I got it on the day then. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> so, I actually yeah. quite like the idea of deleting it. Yeah. I mean, it's impossible to delete, delete anything completely, but everyone's so used to everything being available yeah. forever it's quite nice to have something just yeah, appear yeah. for a limited time and then disappear yeah. again so i suppose i sort of because i met you then yeah so i kind of know what's happened since then but what happened before then how did you get to releasing an <laughs> album it's really nice that so you've practically known me from at least for my whole like recording career yeah um before that um, I don't know where to start, really. Like, how far back? How far back should I go? However um, far back you want. Well, we've got about half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I don't really. It's hard to pinpoint where I started making music, like seriously, because I've always been making music, uh-huh. and I remember, like, I've always felt that I should be getting on with stuff, and that I'm running out of time. For some reason, I always have that feeling, like. Now, how come I haven't done this yet? How come I haven't done that yet? So I remember feeling that way about the album before I recorded it. Like, how come How come I have not got an album yeah, out yet? Yeah. Um, I used to feel that way about songs before I wrote any. I used to say to my dad, I used to be really annoyed at myself and say, like, I haven't written any songs yet. Like, when's that going to happen? How far back are you talking? Because you're, like, saying, I've always done music. I mean, that's... Um, kind of a, okay, I, I, mean, I, I get like what you mean, before I can, as much as you can remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that means at least always knowing that that's where home was, uh-huh. like in music and singing yeah. and especially singing. Um, playing guitar and writing came later, but just singing and expressing yourself like that, that came first. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started writing songs like properly, I guess, like 15, 16. Mm-hmm. Um, but finished school which takes longer in Germany than it does in England Mm -hmm. so finished that when I was 20 Mm -hmm. and then moved to England which um which was brave slash stupid (laughs) I didn't I really didn't know what I was doing but Mm. I kind of felt like I had to remove myself from my comfort zone to Uh to to start um and that's what I did and and then I just started gigging Uh open mic nights um and it's funny you always think you know a lot more than you do like you look back on a former version of yourself and you think like oh i thought i was so smug and i thought i i thought that was my best song and i thought it was really good and then you look back on it and you're like ah that was 
that was actually quite terrible. <laughs> um, that, no, the, the other side of saying that is, oh, well, I have got better. That's possibly yeah, a good way of looking at it. That might be a more positive way of, of looking at it. Oh, yeah. I look back five years ago and think, I was so much better then. I haven't well, learned, that would be, I haven't that would be sad. That yeah. would be sad, wouldn't it? Yes, it's, it's nice to have the feeling that you're a better version of yourself mm. now than you were. Um, so, so, yeah, I just started gigging and collecting songs, so to speak. So started writing, writing songs. I don't think I still perform any songs that I wrote before I moved to England. Mm -hmm. So, so that's when I started. When, I guess. Now, here's a, here's a question that just occurred to me. It's not like I think this thing through. But when you say, were you <laughs> writing in German or in English? No, I was always German? writing in English. Right. I speak German fluently, but mm. English was definitely always like my musical mother tongue. Uh -huh. I guess. So you started performing, um, writing, and performing whilst you were still in Germany. Yeah. Like, did that really start? Because you said you came here to start. No, I had my first gig with eight because I was always bugging my dad, like, when can I sing? And he was trying to find opportunities for me uh. to do that. Um, and first gig, I think I sung an Everly Brothers song with my dad <laughs> and, and a Beatles song, surprise, surprise. And um, then I had like various sort of bands, mm -hmm. as you do when you're like 15, 16, mm -hmm. I guess, uh, recorded my first demo, which actually got... That was that was cool because I recorded a demo, like a three-track demo with a band mm -hmm. and took it to Hansa Studios, mm -hmm. which is like the infamous studio in Berlin where like Bowie and... Dun, dun. Yeah. And they actually, like there was nothing going on there at the moment. Um, that sounds mean, but it's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they do kind of relax on... German folk music, i.e. Schlager, is still uh, massive. So right. they do that and that's what makes them their money. Uh -huh. um, but nothing like... nothing innovative has happened there for a really really long time so i think just the fact that someone knocked on their door and said hi i'm a young person making music can i come in kind of was enough for them to be like oh yeah sure <laughs> come <Wow>. in. Really? <laughs> yeah so <laughs> young people still make music exactly Hooray. um so <laughs> that was cool and i spent some time um recording in that studio mm -hmm. i was on a sort of development deal there um but it was weird i didn't I enjoyed it for, I learned a lot there mm -hmm. in terms of like mic technique and how to, like what to do in a studio. Mm -hmm. But their approach was so one way or no way. And it was so anti everything that I felt was right intuitively, mm -hmm. like singing a whole song from start to finish oh, and really? get the feel right yeah, rather yeah, yeah. than every note. And they had the emphasis on, no, you sing, you sing the verses first, verse one, verse two, verse three, and then you go back and do the choruses and... Um, Yeah, it was all very like prescribed. Uh -huh. So I didn't have a good, I didn't have a great time there, actually. You are kind of kind of reinforcing stereotypes of German uh, stru structural <laughs> Sorry bias. About that. It's all but, true, uh, but not yours, theirs. So that's yeah, all yeah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I was really grateful for the opportunity, and I learned a lot. But it yeah, it just did. Happen in Germany. It did. I'm, th I'm thinking that sounds like I'm <laughs> making a terrible thing, but I know that that it is it is kind of a formulaic or can become a formulaic thing. Like this is how we do stuff. Yeah, particularly in recording, and I think particularly modern. Day recording has become quite so we, sterile. We, we do, yeah, we do individual vocals. We're going to comp everything, mm. and there's a, a little bit has been lost of saying we'll get three takes and one of them will have a vibe, sort of thing. Right. Which yeah. Which has got a lot of uh, energy and excitement about it. I yeah. Think. So yeah, so I spent that time there, and after that, moved to England and um, kind of came to the point where I felt I'd gigged enough and had enough strong songs to record an album. Mm -hmm. And that's when I looked around to see, well, who could I work with? And I was a really big fan of Regina Spector. 
still uh-huh. am. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was literally just turning her CD over to look at the credits to see who did that. Yeah. And it happened to be Soviet Kitsch, which was her first like major label release. Mm-hmm. And Gordon Raphael had produced that. So I literally just got in touch with him. Uh, as in, his website didn't work, so I sent him a message on Facebook. Uh-huh. And he got back to me straight away. Um, and it it so happened, he's from Seattle, uh-huh. but it so happened that he's now based in Berlin. Right. So I took that as a, like, right, I'm going to make this happen. Um, and it's I'm, a sign. Yeah, I felt, I felt like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, is, this is an in, this is yeah, quite yeah. possible. Was that, sorry, just because I didn't mm-hmm. quite catch, is that whilst you were still there, or is this after you've moved to... No, this is, like, in 2012, so... Is that after you've moved to... Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I met up with him whilst I was in Berlin anyway over Christmas, and we just met for a coffee and just had a chat, and... Um, yeah, and he was up for it, so we did it. And especially because it was like just me and a guitar and we decided to do everything quite organically and yeah. quite live. Yeah, yeah. Um, we recorded and mixed the whole album in a week. Uh-huh. So that really was just, I'm going to sit here and we're going to decide where we want the microphones yeah, and then yeah, I'm yeah. just going to sit and play it. Where does it sound best? Yeah. What a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's quite... I, 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 I would imagine that um, people who hear this or hear you saying that might go or be surprised that you go right really you just like looked at the name on the thing and contacted the guy and went yeah why not because it's it's the sort of thing that I think a lot of people would think does that really happen you know I think that's why I moved Mm. out of my comfort zone I think that's what it does to you it gives you the freedom to do things that you wouldn't do if you if you remain in your little bubble of like Mm. status quo um, cause if you, if you're sort of the stranger, you don't have the same hangups or you don't like, you don't understand those. Like firstly, I'd take a gig anywhere. Mm. I had, I remember having a gig in Liverpool, uh, one day just saying yes to that, but I still had like a day job in London and I had to be there at 8am in the morning. So I just took like the last mega bus, the night bus down uh-huh. to London. But I did that not because I thought like, the only, it was just like no sense of geography in England. <laughs> it wasn't really. like, yeah, rock and roll. It was like, no, it was just how far can it com- be? Yeah, completely <laughs> like naive, like that will work. That's mm-hmm. fine. Um, and the same, like the first, one of my first music videos was the concept was just, I'll walk into the BBC receptions and play my song uh-huh. and see what happens. And that, I got, like, I got kicked out. That's yeah, what happened. What happened. <laughs> but, um, if you don't, you know, I didn't grow up here, so you ha- you're kind of removed from that, mm. ooh, the BBC. Do you, do you know what I mean? It's yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah. it just frees you up a bit I more. think it's really, because it is a little bit of thinking, like, I think that was what I was suggesting, was the, the reaction could be, and maybe it's just because that's my reaction, but it's almost a sort of, you can't do that, can you? <laughs> can you do that? Um, but clearly you can, and I think, and, and as you say, I think quite a lot that is, that is... I was listening to a, a, a lady called, I can never pronounce her name, but I think it's Bernie Brown or Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a scientist, but done a lot of research into vulnerability and working with creative people and looking at what it, what it is about people who are creative that makes them continue to be creative, I think, mm-hmm. was really what she was saying. But the thing that, that occurs is that uh, the most creative people keep keep taking risks. They keep putting themselves out there. And that those that are successful at really being creative understand that by putting themselves out there, they are going to fail. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to make a mess of stuff. Things are going to go wrong, but they'll keep doing it anyway and they'll keep getting back up and, and doing it. 
I don't think we put enough emphasis on the importance of failure. Yeah. Um, there was a really great talk by J.K. Rowling um, that I watched. That She was like a, I think it was Harvard University, mm -hmm. something like that. Um, and she gave this amazing speech about the importance of failing. Mm. Um, but that's where we learn. Yeah. And it's so, so true and so important. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, that's yeah. funny. She was saying, if you want to develop, you have to take risks. And she said, I do, I'll do a lot of work in corporate areas now. And they'll say, yeah, you really get that. We've got to take risks, but we can mitigate that and we can work out ways of <laughs> saying, no, you don't understand. If you want to be creative, not that you can find ways to not fail, you will fail. That's, yeah. It's like, it's inevitable. You, you will think, fail and you, will, you will have no idea what happens yeah, next yeah. or like as a consequence of it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to tell you that's fine because yeah. it will happen. But that's fine. <laughs> it was really kind of inspiring to, like you say, to kind of think, well, that's that's good. Maybe take, taking risks is something. I know, I, maybe clever. I do take that for granted sometimes, but I can think of nothing worse really than everything being predictable. Mm. I mean, yeah, it's scary sometimes to not know how you're going to pay your rent in three or four months time. Mm. But equally... Like the possibility of what may happen in three or four months' mm. time in a positive way so outweighs mm. any of the negative worry. And I just, how boring would that be if you had your life planned out yeah, and yeah. you knew every next step? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we all have an idea of who we want to become and what we want to do. But yeah, how boring would that be if we already... If you knew how it was going to work out. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what is... Uh, uh, on a day-to-day -day basis then what's what is it that keeps you doing the performing traveling singing songwriting what is it that that keeps you wanting to do it that keeps me wanting to do it mm. you know what someone asked me that for the very first time a couple of weeks ago like what motivates you to do what you do mm. and i found that to be very very difficult to answer because i don't know i've never i've never sort of looked inward enough and asked myself that um I think because I've never known any different. Uh -huh. I've always, always wanted to, to do this. Um, and I've kind of been on a really steady path, at least just with myself yeah. and that. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just know that I love that that's what makes me happy. Like I know I love to sing and I love to write songs mm -hmm. and I love to perform them. And that's really like, there's no way back now. It's too, <laughs> too late. Um, so... There is that, I, I don't think there's anything, I do believe that music is the highest art form. I know that's being biased, but I do think that that's, it's the thing that, you know, music is the oldest form of communication. Mm -hmm. And it's so, like, deeply rooted in every aspect of our life. And that's definitely where I feel like, yeah. feel happy and like me and, yeah. I always like the idea that um, music is physical. Because it actually can physically move you, like you can you can feel oh, yeah. a sound wave. Yeah, 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 you absolutely. Can, you, although you can enjoy it you know, visually, you can enjoy something. Well, my cousin's it. deaf and he's a musician, mm. and it's everything to do with vibration and the mm. actual physical feeling of the music. So it's yeah, absolutely, mm. not just something invisible, intangible. That's always, that's always touched me that I thought, well, literally, yeah, I can think, <laughs> I can actually physically get on it, it, like not it. Emotionally too, and I, I, of course I appreciate people respond emotionally to all sorts of art forms, but I think just the idea that it can literally knock you off your feet if it's loud enough is yeah. kind of, wow, what a thing. I always, okay, <laughs> this is so geeky, like everyone who knows me for longer than five minutes kind of knows that I'm a massive Beatles fan. But, uh -huh. um, you keep it well hidden. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
like that. Who would know? That's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I used to, I used to love that, like just having my ear against a speaker when I was little, mm-hmm. and like having like John Lennon's voice, and that the vocals actually vibrate, and that you can feel mm-hmm. the vocals, and it's so like visceral and it's so close because that's like when you sing into a microphone that's like the breath of the singer and you're right on the other side and it's just so there so yeah it's quite yeah i agree (laughs) it's really cool Mm. so it's like it's always been there and and why would you do it why would there's no it sounds like you've not even got an idea of why you wouldn't because it's like it's not yeah. like a thought process. Yeah. But has there ever been a time when you've thought, like, turning that question round then, has there ever been a time when you thought, why, why, this, why am I doing this? No. This is crazy. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, there are times when I ask myself that about specific things about how I do things. Uh-huh. Like I, I gig for a very long time. I've spent so much time running around towns I don't know schlepping a suitcase on a guitar and like my shoulders are hurting and mm. I don't have internet on my phone because I'm in a different country and sort of lost and tired and just finding the next sort of crappy venue <laughs> um, <laughs> or lovely venue uh, depending on the day and uh, my, my mood. Um, so yeah, you question yourself with like the way you go about doing things but certainly not the thing itself yeah, yeah. if that makes sense. Uh, well, it does completely, but it's 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 interesting to kind of think. There's never there's never honestly been a moment where you thought, oh God, I don't know why I'm doing this. It's never like no, never. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's more like peripheral things, like people around, like the frustration sometimes at like the industry side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but but no, okay. not not anything enough. What's to... the best thing about it then? The best thing about it. It's simply just knowing that you're pursuing a path that brings you happiness and fulfillment. Mm-hmm. I mean, just knowing that you're doing what you want to do. I, I've, had, I've had really terrible jobs. Not really terrible jobs. I mean, that's, let's keep things in perspective. <laughs> but like, um, I've, had, I've had jobs that I didn't enjoy doing. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing to have done once. Yeah, yeah. Good to have had a shitty job. But um, I don't understand the concept of constantly chasing like I don't understand the concept of doing something you don't really enjoy maybe you enjoy some aspects of it but Mm. more or less you're just checking in and out of a place five days a week just so that you can relax on two days you know Mm. this thing of like oh waiting for the weekend and oh I'm saving money for a house or for a car and I just I just really don't understand that. Or the crazy, well, how, I can't remember who put, who put it this way, but I was reading this recently. It might have been someone like Alan Watts. You know Alan Watts? Yeah. Um, saying something like, you, you spend your life trying to earn, like, um, you get in your car to drive to work to earn enough money <laughs> to buy the petrol to put in your car so you can drive to work. Yeah. It's just people buy into that cycle. You're only doing to maintain something that you don't even really enjoy, but that's the only reason you're doing it, is to have enough to be able to keep doing it. It's true, and this con, this con, like you have to do this, and then you have to go to university, and then you have to Mm -hmm. have a job, and then you need to build your career, and then Mm -hmm. you need to buy a house, like all like this construct of things that we need. We don't need any of that. You just need to be happy. So you need to find what you're good at and what makes you happy 
and hopefully what is helpful or makes other people happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was uh, speaking to, uh, I'm just kind of thinking, riffing off what you were saying. I was speaking to a friend of mine the other day who said, you know, he rang me up, said, how are things still living live the dream? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I am living the dream. But it's like a dream like every other dream, which is like sometimes it's kind of, wow, amazing, magical. Other times it's like, I don't know what's going on. I'm terrified. <laughs> exactly. Some, everything's weird. And sometimes it's completely surreal and makes no sense whatsoever. But that yeah. is exactly what dreams are like. Not like this kind of everything's wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's more like, well, I'm just in it, do it, doing it. This is how it is today. <laughs> and it's... I don't know what's going to happen next, but that's that. That feels much more alive than when, Absolutely. I, wasn't, when I wasn't doing that, which, yeah. like I said, was the kind of thank God it's the end of the day and I get to not do this anymore, <laughs> but I have to get up tomorrow and do it again. Mm. It just like what a, what a strange way to live. Yeah, we've been you're here with me because we've been um, working today. So to, just say a little bit about because this is called in the making. So what are you what are you doing? <laughs> what, what is in the making? What, right. What's, well, on, what's in the plans right now? In the making, uh, and I feel it's going to be a while. But in the making is uh, my second album. Mm-hmm. So since that first album that I recorded in Berlin with Gordon Raphael, uh, I I've recorded and released another EP since. Yep. Uh, that was with Ben Walker, who is very talented and great and that was fun and that was just in a living room mm-hmm. as well um but time has flown by so quickly that that release is just over a year ago already mm-hmm. um and i've been gigging so much that i felt it's really time to to be back in the studio and sort of make something mm-hmm. make something new um so that's what we've been doing today. Uh-huh. Specifically, we've been recording the rhythm section, mm. bass and drums, for two new songs that are both going to be on the new album. So it's an album you're doing, not another EP. This is a this is an album yeah. in the making. Yeah, uh-huh. definitely. Fantastic. It is definitely a bit as and when, uh-huh. which I think is very much just that's just how I have to do things at the moment, sure. due to how my life is at the moment, due to financial situation as well so it's much mm. more oh, i've got a few days here now i can do this and then i've got a few days there yeah. so very as and when but this was really fun because as i said to you earlier i actually haven't recorded like a full kit mm. live bass and drums on my songs for nearly 10 years wow. as you pointed out when i said the date <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> what? um and that's true. So yeah, not since uh, not since that mm. first EP I recorded in Berlin, really. Wow. So that was really fun mm. because this whole acoustic singer songwriter thing was really just an accident. I never meant to be that. <laughs> um, it, that was just easiest you know, to yeah, yeah. to do. Cool. So you're you're uh, you're kind of my end thing in here is because you're talking about an album and you mm-hmm. you're very active in things like the FAC. Mm-hmm. Um, You've done panel talks, uh, workshops, a lot of stuff about what it's like to be a DIY musician. Yeah. And you might be thinking, where am I going with this? The question I wanted to ask you, <laughs> you said, like, you're doing an album. There's a lot of, um, I think a lot of people would now question, what, what, why an album? When it's kind of the whole idea of albums seems to perhaps, huh. and I'm not saying I agree with this. Yeah, yeah. But I'm interested what your take is on it. What, what's, what's the attraction of an album for you? Well, I listen to albums. Mm -hmm. I like the idea very much of a complete work, regardless of whether it's an EP or an album. If you record like a body of work, Mm. uh, that's like a 
height marking on the wall, right? Mm. That's like, that's who you were at that point. Um, and I think one song just isn't quite enough to give a full picture. Yeah. Um, and also I've got a few songs that I want to record. And for the first time, I think I've got more of a concept of like a story that I actually want to tell with the album and points I want to make. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want it to be on vinyl as well. So uh-huh. I do I do want it to be a thing. And I don't think that people don't have the attention span for albums anymore. Mm. And if they don't, I think we should force them to have the attention <laughs> span. <laughs> um, I think they're right. So that's why. I don't know whether... Like, there may well be a couple of single releases before that actual album comes out. Mm. I don't know when it's going to come out. So it's just, I know I want an album, but yeah. Yeah, that's... yeah. No, it's good. I think, I, I, I agree. I think, it's a, I think it's a form of, it's an art form in itself. It's like, it's, yeah. we're not just kind of doing, oh, here's, a, here's something that's three minutes long. Mm. There's something about a collection, a statement, a position, whatever it is, that I think is really, really mm-hmm. cool. And I think there is this, idea that oh well that's not what people do anymore they only just listen to singles or they only stream stuff and all that but I don't maybe know. that's true but I, I'd never really heard of this guy before I'll have to admit but he seems, seems to be quite high <laughs> Keith Harris um, <laughs> he's worked with Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye he was yeah. the chairman of PPL I think for a number of years mm-hmm. and music managers forum and all that but it was at a networking event the other day and he was speaking and someone asked the question as to saying, you know, why, why, basically, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but the question was basically, why do people not value music anymore? And he said, because it's not good enough. <laughs> That's such said, a cop-out. <laughs> yeah, but I thought, he might have a point. It's like they said, when the, when the music gets better, people will start to value it again. But then you need to ask yourself, and why is the, the, the... Sorry, good, totally the, jumped in there no, and interrupted no, you. It, go, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to talk. No, go for it. Tell me what you think. Well, why is the music not good enough? then I think the more fair, I mean, I've got, you know, so many like mini cab drivers have said to me like, oh, but it's just not, you know, it's just no good music out there now. You know, it's just not like it was back in my day kind of thing. And um, yes, I mostly listen to music from the 1960s and 70s, but that is so not true. I think the point is there is so much amazing music out there, Mm. amazing songwriting on par with the best Bob Dylan songs, mm. it's just that they're not being heard by as many people. Mm. It's that the rate, may, maybe the music that's mainstream, I do feel it's dumbed down. I do think there's always been bad music. Mm. We just tend to forget about the bad yeah. stuff and remember just the great, you know, the, the music that like passes that test of time. Mm. Um, so maybe there is more bad, dumbed down music that's, on the mainstream radio stations because that's where the money is because the major labels don't take mm. the same risks that they perhaps once used to. Yeah. Um, they don't They don't even let acts write their own songs anymore. I mean, even if they're very, very capable, like George Ezra or Ray Morris, yeah, like yeah, people yeah. who are really great songwriters, the whole albums are co-written, yeah. not because they're not capable of writing songs just because the label needs a sure thing. So maybe that's what he means, that people don't take enough risks. I think that is part of what he was saying, and he did say that, so I'm being being unfair to him by not not quoting him very well. (laughs) But I think that that really was his point, was he said there's too much mainstream that is written by committee that isn't taking risks. um, And that that's causing uh, circumstances where... It's not being valued because it's it's just not good enough, and so there is the, the good music will shine through. And once that starts to happen, again, 
then it will then it will be valued again. That yeah. I think that was more generally his point was at the moment we're just going through a period where it is like companies desperate to retain the money that they've been making before. So they won't take any risks because all they're interested in is the financial reward. So, mm. Something like but that. But all the more reason to listen to music. I mean, anyone listening to this will do anyway because yeah. this is more like independent music. Right. But <laughs> So we're, <laughs> we're kind of talking, to preaching to the converted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, so many great things happening in independent music scenes. Yeah. So many, you know, definitely no shortage of talent. That's for sure. The In The Making podcast was produced by me, Martin Lumsden, at the Cream Room Recording Studio. You can find us at creamroom.co.uk. To find out more information about the In The Making podcast and to subscribe to future episodes, please go to inthemakingpodcast.com.